Welcome to the Genius of Liberty, stories that celebrate the crucial but forgotten role Ohio played in the fight for women's right to vote. I'm Hillary Copsey, your host. Today's story from historian Catherine Durack is Mailing Indecent Matter. Ohioan Stanley Bodle sexualized females to rally opposition in Congress and defeat a federal amendment for women's suffrage in 1915. Addressing the House of Representatives on January 12, 1915, Congressman Stanley Bodle simultaneously scandalized the nation and mobilized opposition to women's suffrage by defining women as sexual objects whose childbearing function left them biologically unsuited to participating in politics and whose bodies, when pregnant, provided public evidence of shameful private acts. Astounded by such indecency used in political debate, the editors of the New Republic publicly chastised Bodle in the pages of the magazine. Unfortunately, adhering to obscenity laws required that the editors omit the most graphic passages and limit quotations to excerpts from the sanitized speech printed in the congressional record. The editors castigated the speaker and his ilk, remarking that Bodle spoke of his sainted mother and lovely loyal wife in one breath, and in the next revealed that his concept of woman is lewdly physical. Supposedly chivalrous men, like the Ohio representative, were hypocrites because they were unable to speak of woman without the leer of the barrack room and the smoking car. All history, Mr. Speaker, is nothing but the record of an affair with a woman, Bodle had jested as he invited his listeners to join in lecherous imaginings. Woman's beauty is positively disturbing to business. Their feet are beautiful. Their ankles are beautiful. Who knows? Maybe we shall live to see a missus at the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue as President of the United States, Bodle said before speculating salaciously. Who knows, a mister may hook up and unhook the gowns of the nation's chief. For women who had to earn their wages on the streets, Bodle expressed disgust. We all weep too much over prostitutes. Reform for them is easy. Any one of them can wash the paint off, clean up, go to the next town, and get honest housework. Laziness and vanity are largely responsible for their chosen vocation. Seeking to harness public outrage to their cause, and armed with text from Representative Bodle's manuscript in the official stenographic report, suffragists asked Postmaster General Albert S. Burleson to decide whether sending Bodle's speech to supporters would violate laws that prohibited mailing indecent matter. Burleson passed the question off to the Justice Department, which ruled that suffragists should get the opinion of the postmasters where the speech would be mailed, effectively shutting them down by the impracticality of seeking permission from more than 58,000 postmasters nationwide. We may never know precisely what Mr. Bodle said that day, but attorney Robert L. Black of Cincinnati, who knew Bodle only slightly, felt strongly enough about the scandal to respond to the New Republic. Everyone who knows Stanley Bodle recognizes and values his whimsical humor, his vigorous originality of thought and expression, his integrity, and his high ideals. Mr. Bodle's speech expressed many of the familiar ideas about woman suffrage, but set them forth in a humorous and pleasing form that appeals strongly to the average man who greatly prefers a laugh to cold logic. Black elaborated, 
Mr. Bodle's principal offense seems to have been in recognizing and commenting on the sex of women. It is true that to tell a suffragist that a woman is a female creature is the last insult. And yet, to the average male, I speak from experience, that fact sticks in his mind whenever he attempts to argue on woman's suffrage. According to Black, Bodle's offensive words, too lewd to make it into the official record and too obscene to be sent through the mail, were really just a joke, and the suffragists needed to lighten up. Thank you for listening to The Genius of Liberty. This series is named after The Genius of Liberty, one of the first U.S. periodicals published by a woman. Elizabeth A. Aldrich covered women's rights conventions and advocated equal access to education, equal pay for equal work, and voting rights for women. She also had ties to the Mercantile Library. You can subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts and find all of our episodes on soundcloud.com slash thegeniusofliberty. Our theme music is Battle Hymn of the Republic Medley by Marissa Anderson, originally recorded live on WFMU and used with permission. Catherine Dirac writes and voices all the Genius of Liberty stories, and Chris Messick records and produces the series, which comes to you from Cincinnati's Mercantile Library. Since 1835, you belong here. Uh